0: Hey everyone, it's Justin. Welcome to part one of a two-part interview for our newest nonprofit spotlight. Really excited to bring you our interview with Executive Director of The Little Bit Foundation, Rosemary Hanley. You can and you will want to find out more information about them. You can visit their website at thelittlebitfoundation.org. That is thelittlebitfoundation.org. The Little Bit Foundation is an organization very near and dear to me, Uh, For the last 17 years, their goal has been to remove the obstacles that are standing between children and education. Uh, What they do is they embed themselves, literally embed themselves with a team of volunteers in St. Louis City and now some county schools, uh, partnering with the teachers and principals to tailor their programs and offerings to each school. And most importantly, they work one-on-one, giving access to the kids for resources to help them overcome the challenges and let them focus on their education. They set up what are called Little Bit Boutiques, uh, where kids can come and get clothing, socks, shoes, coats, if they need anything, and Little Bit is there in the school to help them get what they need. They also offer health screenings and services and academic enrichment programs as well, and they're just continuing to grow and thrive. And it's all under the direction of their amazing executive director, Rosemary Hanley, who started this organization 17 years ago with one coat drive and now heads this organization, which is going to serve over 11,000 students this year. Rosemary Hanley was a 2018 Ellis Island Medal of Honor recipient. Those awards are given to individuals who have made it their mission to share their wealth of knowledge, indomitable courage, Violence, compassion, unique talents, and selfless generosity with those less fortunate. That comes right from their website. And that is exactly what Little Bit and Rosner Hanley are doing. So I met with her at the Little Bit Foundation offices and I kicked things off by just simply asking her how she felt about receiving and being honored with an Ellis Island Medal of Honor. Enjoyed this interview. And again, the littlebitfoundation.org. Please check them out. They mean a ton to our city and uh, might be growing and coming to your city. And thank you to Rosemary Hanley and Little Bit Foundation for everything they do and for sitting down with us to be our newest Mayday nonprofit spotlight. Thank you.
1: I'm so honored to even be thought of in this crowd of past recipients. To be acknowledged in this way, a past recipient has to have nominated you. So it has to come from someone who is in the Ellis Island Medal of Honor family. Wow. So I have a father and I have a grandfather and I have a great grandfather and there's a linear line of who is chosen and why they're chosen. Okay. So you're part of a family when when you're when you receive this That's medal. Excellent. I received the nomination From Chris Zizza, who is chair of the National Wood Floor Association. And the National Wood Floor Association is based here in St. Louis. Ah, He lives outside of St. Louis, but came to St. Louis for their convention. And the staff of the National Wood Floor people, they volunteer here twice a month. And Chris came with them one day and saw a little bit and then came back again and came to a ribbon cutting and came to a school and then came back again and learned more about our story. And we went out to lunch and we just became friends. And he was really intrigued by our mission. And I didn't know that he was planning to nominate me, but I received this incredible letter in in the mail stating that. Chris says I had nominated me and I was um, in company with other past presidents and Stan usual Yeah, I was going to say the
0: people. the list of, you know, I just wrote a few down here and it's kind of, it's crazy. So Muhammad Ali, Coretta Scott King, Yogi Berra, Joseph Biden, Rosa Parks, Bill and Hillary Clinton, Alex Haley, Bob Hope. I mean, it's it's quite the company you're in.
1: It is quite the company. And I have been really struggling to understand how I have been honored in this way, but it's a learning process. And I'm extremely humble and grateful.
0: So let's talk about your journey here through this process and what you learned. um, Because obviously the Ellis Island, when you think of Ellis Island, you think of immigrants coming to the United States and the opportunity that the United States presents to them. So let's talk about your own family members and uh, how those lessons have impacted you and the way you interact with the world and how it affects a little bit.
1: The whole preface of this Ellis Island Medal of Honor is to honor your ancestors and what they did to help you have the life that you have. And then in turn, how you have turned around and helped those that are less fortunate or may need a helping hand or knowledge or kindness that you can bring to other people um, in America. and. Growing up, my dad is Italian and my mom is Irish, and I always felt the strength of both of those heritage base and the family that I came from, and there was always such great love from the Irish side and the Italian side, but it was, it was very different, and both of those families came through Ellis Island. It was Lacasio, DeLeo, Rodier, and Murphy, and they all came for a better life to help their future generations and I am then benefiting from their sacrifices for many, many generations. It just it just makes me more aware of people who in my family and in my bloodline gave up so much so that I can have a better life, my children can have a better life, one of freedom and prosperity. And prosperity comes in many different ways not only financial prosperity but freedom to make choices and freedom to have a voice and freedom to give so i feel extremely grateful from to all my ancestors and I grew up in Long Island, New York, so we drove by the Statue of Liberty and drove by Ellis Island and went into the city. My dad was in the garment industry, and we would go to the city all the time for special occasions. So I always had this amazing love for the city and for Ellis Island and the Statue of Liberty. So to be invited back in such a big way, Generations all down the line, That's awesome. It 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 was just it was just a huge life changing experience. Now, did
0: you ever get to hear any of the stories about them coming through Ellis Island?
1: I remember, you know, I always asked what my grandparents and my great grandparents did as, for jobs, and I know one of my um, grandfathers he polished. They called him a rag man. He polished furniture. My grandfather on on my mother's side died very, very young. And my grandmother raised eight children on her own and worked three jobs so that they would have a good life. So they gave up a lot to be here. But I did not grow up in a wealthy family, but I always felt very blessed. And I always knew that I had a lot, but it wasn't, I never wanted for anything. People love me. They care for me. And that's my gift that I can give back.
0: And you are giving back. So a little bit, for those that don't know, the core mission is to remove the barriers between children and education. Uh, So let's talk about some of the barriers that your family faced coming over as immigrants, because that's not always the easiest transition process and how that's informed how you have brought things to a little bit.
1: I was brought up to feel very grateful for everything I had. So like I had mentioned, I never felt like I was missing anything, but we did not have a lot. But what we did have is each other and we had a lot of love and we had a lot of fun. And I believe that's what little bit is based on, that is our culture, that we believe that everyone has gifts and is special, that if everyone is treated with kindness and love and thought and seen for their potential, and if we believe in those around us and give them maybe the small things that they may need to get over things that barriers that are in front of them, then their lives can then change. So that's kind of that same way that I was brought up is the way I see that giving back in the world is so important my dad worked really hard for us. He was gone a lot. He, um, It wasn't easy for him. And I like hard work. I like doing things to benefit others. And it brings me such great joy to have the opportunity to do that.
0: Now, was that something that was instilled from your family or that you remember experiencing as a child
1: growing up? So I know my mom and dad, extremely kind people. My dad always was involved in the church. He always coached the teams. But I have to say, we really focused a lot on our family. And my dad worked really hard and my mom did too, to keep us, you know, safe and Brought up with the right values. And so I don't remember us doing a lot outside of our family and friends. We had a very tight, tight community that we stayed in. But I do know that I was brought up to care for those besides our family and to think well of everyone and to see differences as a beauty, not as a difficulty. And to see People that are different can add wealth to you because you learn and you grow when you find someone different. So I we were always open to to learning and to growing and to seeing differences. And when you grow up in New York, everybody's different and it's a melting pot and you see the greatness in everyone. Everyone doesn't have to be the same. So I did grow up with that.
0: Those that are just discovering your organization, you guys are actually in the schools. So, talk a little bit about that, and then we'll talk about what you're doing in the schools.
1: So, right now, Little Bit is in 31 schools. Next year, we'll be in 37 schools. We're serving 9,000 children, over 9,000 children this year every week. And next year, it will be over 11,000 children every week. It blows my mind. That's an incredible number. It blows my mind. But what we do is we work one-on-one with students. So it's there's a lot of people collecting things. There's a lot of people that have great services, but Little Bit embeds themselves in school communities. We become part of that school community. We have a room that's called the Little Bit Boutique that we work all of our programs work out of. We have emergency items and we serve each child one-on-one specific to what their need is every week through this closet. We align ourselves with the principal's goals. We align ourselves with what the teachers need. It's not us coming in saying, you need this. It's hearing from the school community. They tell us what the needs are, and then we answer those needs.
0: So really working together, as opposed Absolutely. to you coming and go. this is what we think you need. It's because every school is going to be different. There's different
1: needs everywhere. It's not about what we think. It's about what they need to meet their goals so that children can receive an education. That's it.
0: So how has embracing and learning from the differences in the cultures among the children that you've seen at these schools informed what you're doing as a little bit? Has it changed anything? Did you go in thinking one thing and then got in there and said, okay, we need to adjust some things or has it proceeded kind of on a path?
1: So this was not something that I thought up and I had a plan and I said, this is what I'm going to do. It it was not like that at all. I um, saw a little boy who needed something and he told me that his dad would be happy that he was going to be warm now. And he looked at me with the most beautiful eyes and a smile. And right then I thought, how can children in St. Louis, 15 minutes away from where I live, not have warm coats or food or medical care? And I couldn't shake it. So it's not like I came into this having a plan. I did not have a plan. And we have grown organically always asking questions, always doing surveys on what our programs are, always asking how we can be better at what we do so that children can get what they need to reserve an education. So organically, year after year, saying, how else can we support you? So at the beginning, it was, we need hygiene items. We need underwear and socks. We need shoes. We need school supplies. And then we just started doing that. And then organically, A little girl would come up and say, I'm hungry. A little girl named Diara said to me, I had no food over the weekend, but I had birthday cake on Sunday night. And I just couldn't shake that one. So then you partner with food pantries and make sure children have food. It's not hard. It's just connecting the dots and bringing people together who love children, who want to make a difference in our city.
0: It's a simple thing, but I don't think people realize how how much of a need there is for that. And so it's incredible what you guys are out there doing.
1: It's a true joy of my life. I benefit from this more than I give.
0: And what are some of the lessons you've learned from working in these environments in these schools? Some things that you didn't necessarily think about going in?
1: Well, like I said, it wasn't planned. But what I know is there's a lot of people working really hard to take care of their families out there. And there's a lot of love in between these families. So I don't want anyone to ever think that children aren't loved. That's not the case. But when you are trying to keep your heat on, or keep food on the table, or keep your children clean, There's a scarcity of time that you have. So if we can help support children in the classroom and take some of that burden off the families, then we're doing our job. So there are amazing families. There are amazing children. Our city is full of kindness and love. Some people just need a little extra support, just like my family did when they came over here. That's all we're doing. It's just a little extra so that these kids, the children that we serve, that have so much potential, can get the education that they deserve so that they can better and have options for their family.
0: It's like your family did. They're feeding the good for the next ones down the line.
1: And it, it's the future of St. Louis. It's it. our future. It's my grandkids' friends. It's our workforce. So even if we look at it selfishly, it's only going to benefit us.
0: Uh, so let's talk about this impact on the Little Bit Foundation itself. Um, so prior to Little Bit, How did the idea of helping others and the importance of community play into your life? So prior to starting this and seeing that one kid and doing the coat drive, what was your outlet for helping others back then?
1: I was working full time helping to support my family. And really, my energy was in bringing home a salary and helping support my family, my kids, my husband, all of us working together.
0: Which is, as you said, how you were brought up. That's how I was brought up.
1: And I have to say, I love business. I love people. Something kept tapping at me on the shoulder that I was supposed to do something else. People look at it differently. I look at it as the Holy Spirit, and I just kept praying. But I was working a lot and raising three children, and I didn't know where that fit in. So I just kept praying about it, and then just started helping through my son's soccer team and collecting coats, and this just bloomed from that.
0: And so, when was the first moment that you realized this was okay? I can make this into a a real organization that I can drive and do this for the city? When did you really, when did that moment really hit you as far as, okay, we can do a couple drives and help some kids. When did it hit you to that? I think I can create a nonprofit and really build this into something.
1: So there wasn't an aha moment. I have to say I have had the most generous, intelligent, creative people around me who have believed in me from the beginning. I did not know how to do any of this. But what I did do is ask for help because this is way beyond me. This isn't about Rose Hanley. This is about building a community that wants to do better for our kids and for our city. And people come around and they want to help. And I just ask them for their help or I ask them their opinion. And do I agree with everybody that comes along? No, but I tell you what, I learned from everybody I meet. People are so generous with their time and their effort I continue to ask for help. I don't know everything. I don't know, you know, we have a strategic plan. I have an amazing board now. This is absolutely run like a business, but there are new challenges that come in front of us every day and I need help. So if anybody's out there and wants to help us, we need your help. So talk
0: about those challenges. What are they? What have been the what have been your biggest challenges I'd say coming through this?
1: So at first, the challenges were building, was building a trust within the schools that we were serving. Because I, I believe that so many nonprofits go in, this was 17 years ago, get started, and it's not about being thanked, and it's not about fe- feeling good. That's not what it's about. But it's not easy work building trust letting people know that you're not in this just to make yourself feel better but to really support education in our schools so i think building trust in the school communities um, building trust with teachers building trust with families was a huge obstacle at first and i can remember the one thing that changed i was in a school for two years and one of our liaisons who help us find children who need extra support would not look me in the eye and i knew that she did not trust me she might have been burned before but i always we always deliver we always always do what we say we're going to do and we found out a little girl needed food So I left, and I went to Sam's, and I purchased food. Now, this was 15 years ago. And that lady said, I can't believe you did that. And I was like, well, when you know a child's hungry, you feed them. And from then on— one of those
0: things where you're like, I can't believe somebody else didn't do
1: that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 my gosh! What do I get (laughs) to do? So from that moment on, we became good friends. She opened up to me, and I understood what their obstacles were and how I could help better. So it's building those relationships and building trust. And now after 17 years, we are a trusted brand and people are, you know, school districts are seeking us out and other cities are calling us. So we've created a brand that's trustworthy. So that was probably our biggest hurdle early on. Um, You know, just so people knew that we were in this until we weren't needed anymore. We weren't going to go anywhere.
0: So you're talking about people getting burned. I'm sure there's a lot of that because there's a lot of organizations. You're not the first organization to come along to say, we're going to help kids. But 17 years is a long time.
1: We have to make sure that if we promise something, we would do more harm than good yeah. if we did not fulfill our promise. So we are very careful. We're very strategic. We do not make a move until we are confident that we are going to succeed in that move because we don't want hurt.
0: And, you don't and, want to be the type that comes in and tells them what they want to hear yeah.
1: and they can't deliver on. So we've been in schools um, now 16 years and it's been a great joy.